You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. And we are in a series right now titled Fruit. It's not very often that you get to have a guy come in and kind of jump in the middle of a series, uh, but you're in a series titled Fruit. And seven weeks, Pastor Dan has been going through this series titled Fruit. And today I get to talk about gentleness. And you might be wondering, why did God put a giant grizzly bear on the stage to talk about gentleness? And the unique thing that you need to know is uh, when people see me, the first thing not, they, they, they think is not gentle. They think anybody, anything but gentle. And I can be a little bit forceful. I can be a little bit loud, especially for playing any type of sport where we're competing against each other. There was a time in my life where I wouldn't play you in any sport if I couldn't physically beat you. So I would not play you in checkers because I, I didn't have an advantage. And so I've used my girth as an advantage. And Heather's really good in the kitchen. So she's responsible for the girth on the frame that you see in front of you. And, uh, and what you need to know, and, and I didn't tell Pastor Dan this, but gentleness is my story. When Dan asked me to speak on gentleness, we kind of went back and go, well, how do you pull this out? Like, this is one of those topics where you're just kind of like, and this is my story. This is how God changed my life. When he showed me what gentle really meant, this is how I became a better husband and a better dad and a better follower of Jesus. So that's my story. And so last week, Pastor Dan talked about faithfulness. And he said that God is always faithful. That was kind of the big point, the big rock. And so if you missed that message, or if you missed any message in this series up to this point, you need to go back and get them. And they're on YouTube or any podcast that you listen to. And while you're there, you need to click that subscribe button so you can be one of the hundreds to say you were here in the beginning because there will be thousands. Those things are exploding like nobody's business. And so i um, just super thankful to be here and to be a part of your morning. And so uh, let's do this. Let's pray before we jump into the message. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord. What an honor and a privilege it is to share this stage with such a great friend and such a great follower of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the friendship. Thank you, Lord, for the relationships in this room. Thank you, Father, for opening our hearts this morning to receive for opening our hands, our eyes, whatever might be shut, Lord, open it, Lord, so we can receive. And Lord, for the fruit that is born, because the seed that's sown today through your word, we are going to give you all the credit and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so you've been in, uh, like I said, a series titled Fruit, and I get to talk about gentleness. This is part eight. This is part eight. And so uh, that means Pastor Dan will be wrapping up next week. And so the finale of the series and how gentleness changed my life is a really big deal. And to jump into that, I want to um, jump into the word before we jump into anything else. And so Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 is where we're at. It's where you've been for the past seven weeks. And I want you to jump into this. If you're a note taker, you're a world changer. That's a big deal. And if you're not, today's the day to start because if God speaks to you, you should probably write it down. That's what kind of became prevalent in my life. And so and the other thing is this, I might encourage you and I might inspire you, but the word of God is what will change your life. And so you need to be locked into that word. And so here's what Galatians 5, through 23 says. It says, but the fruit of the spirit, and you guys have been doing this together, so let's keep it going, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it says this, against such things, there is no law. And if you're taking notes, you can write that down or underline or highlight. There is no law. By the way, you need to know that God is all fruit and he bears all fruit. You can't have one without the other. God is and bears all. And so here's what's unique about this scripture. It says there is no law. And what God did in my heart um, with the scriptures, he took me immediately to the commandments. 
to the law. And what's unique, he says, there's no such, against such things, there is no law. You don't need a law to bear these fruits, right? You don't need instruction to bear fruit. You need somebody to go, hey, reminder, you need to have some good behavior here. The fruit is in you because it's who, it's who God is. And so let's take a, a quick peek at the law. If you are taking notes or writing down, I'm going to go to Matthew. And I'm in 22. And this is verses 37 through 40, but I'm only going to share 40. And I'm going to paraphrase the first. This is what Jesus says. He says, hey, if, if you want to inherit the kingdom, if you want to get to heaven, if you just set all that stuff aside. He says, if you will love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, if you'll love me with everything you have, that's one. And if you will love your neighbor as you love yourself, he says in verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two depend all the law. And so when you go back to Galatians 5, it says, there is no law for these things. Why? Because if you're in relationship with me, in relationship with others, if you're in community with me and community with others, my fruit is going to come through you. It's love, right? And so if you obey these two, the Living Bible says, if you obey these two, you'll find that everything else takes care of itself. So then can you take care of all the law? By the way, Jesus washed the law away, by the way. It's a new covenant. But you can, you can find yourself obeying all 10 if you just obey the first two, which is amazing because that's the world we live in today. So then Galatians 5.22, with the perspective of the great commandment, would read like this. The fruit of an, ab of an abiding relationship with God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because it's his spirit that allows you to be and to bear these things. And everybody said amen. amen. So then, gentleness, like every other fruit, comes out of a relationship with God. It comes out of a relationship with God. And you know this just as good as me. Jesus said, you will know by disciples, you will know they are my disciples by their fruit. And what you need to know is, this is point one, fruit represents the manifestation of a person's faith in their behavior and in their actions. Fruit represents the manifestation. Manifestation, that's a crazy word. Manifestation is essentially bearing. We're bearing. What the definition of manifestation is, is an event or an action that clearly shows or embodies something. So then there is fruit. We're embodying what it means to bear fruit, right? Or to have fruit. So we embody because we abide in Jesus. That's why I love the name of your church so much. It's spiritual. It's very spiritual. It is God's work in us because through Christ, we bear fruit because of our relationship out of obedience, out of obedience. And because we abide, others get to experience who God is, who Jesus is. And we bear it because God sources it to us. We bear because God sources it to us. So now I don't want to assume because I know what that does. And I had a different definition of what gentleness meant growing up. And so I want to take a look at what the word gentle means. And I went to the Webster's for this. It says this, having or showing a mild, kind, or tender temperament or character. I just want to let you know, at one point in my life, this was the farthest thing for me. The second definition is moderate in action, effect, or degree, not harsh or severe, which means no dumb reactions. That's what that means. Whoopsie. I'm guilty of that too. And I was going to jump into the Hebrew, and I was going to jump to the Greek. And before I did that, I jumped into the synonyms of what gentleness meant. And here's a few of the things that it says. It says, uh, we're on the next one. Calm, 
kind, tender. And how many of these are fruit, by the way? Calm, kind, tender, merciful, forgiving. If you're writing, you can underline or circle forgiving. Considerate, sympathetic. Man, I don't want to be sympathetic. You're not being gentle. Understanding, humble, unassuming, peaceful, reverent, pleasant, loving, loving. The root of gentleness is love. And I love these last two because this is who God is. Lamb-like. This is in the Webster's. Don't tell Webster they still got Jesus in the, in the dictionary, okay? Lamb-like, which is Jesus, or dove-like, which is the Spirit of God. And so by those, we know that the opposite of that is to be unkind, unforgiving, unreasonable, inconsiderate, unloving, essentially all the things that make you sick to your stomach, right? Which is not like Jesus. And so for me, my idea of, of the opposite of gentle was rough, was savage, was just heavy. It was hard. And so my story, how I found gentleness is, is quite unique. I grew up in a really tough house, really distant dad, parents gone all the time. Both parents worked. This was the 80s, by the way, back before hard work was non-existent and child abuse ever existed, okay? That's a joke. And so, so in, this, in this house I grew up in, I would see my dad frequently, and when I saw him, he was just there to discipline me because he had to go back to work and he was gone for weeks at a time or, or whatever. And I want you to hear this. This is a different time. It's a different stage. I have, I have no ill regard or, or anything ugly to say. And so in that discipline house, I grew up where the only time that we hugged was when we fought, and it was more of a, a laughing thing, like, now hug your brother because you fought, right? Now, when we hug, we make it right with words and actions. It's not that. So don't think, well, you did that too, Dad, because that's not it. You with me? <laughs> and so, so it was a laughing matter when we hugged in our house. And that was like the only gentleness that I knew. And it, and it wasn't gentle. It was, I have to do this because, because we just got in an argument, right? And so growing up with my dad, he shifted jobs and he started to become more present. And as he did... My dad, with me being the middle child, meant he was trying to toughen me up. And so he would walk by and he would give me the occasional melon slap or flick my ear or grab the back of my hair in the middle and say, two up or two down. Nonstop. And occasionally I'd get a boot in the butt, just depending on how, how he was. And as a kid, I always knew where my dad was because if I didn't, he would let me know. He would let me know. So I had that, and then I played sports. I was fortunate enough to play football, and, and football is not a gentle sport. There's no gentleness in that game. Uh, maybe if you help somebody up, and, and we don't do that anymore, so heaven forbid we help somebody up, right, because I'm trying to beat you. And so married that with football, and the reality is, as I look back on this, I didn't really genuinely experience gentleness until I met Heather's family. And I'll never forget I drive all the way across the country to ask her parents if I can marry her and hauled a piano on that trip as well that we never saw again. They're welcome. And so uh, never met these people before, but as soon as they opened the door, they embraced me. They welcomed me in. They put their arms around me. They hugging me like I'm like a son and I'm, I haven't even asked the question yet. And I'm like, wow, this is weird because we don't hug like... We don't hug in my house. Heather's family, if you pass them in the hallway, you're going to get a hug, okay? So it was extremely different for me. And Heather's family was full of genuinely gentle people who believed in Jesus, who were raised in a, in a Christ-like home. I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised far from Christian home. I had to catch the church bus by myself when I was a little kid. And here's the funny thing is Heather's family's gentleness 
didn't change my life. I thought it was weird. It was nice. It was nice, and I liked it, but it didn't change my life. And getting married to Heather, as gentle as she is, and the fruit of our gentleness, as you can see, that didn't change my life. And living with her and being with her didn't change my life. I was still tied to the roots that I had growing up. And so what's unique is our kids, once we start having kids, it's funny what God does with your kids because you start to see things where you stink or you start to see things where you were or who you were, how you were. And what God did with Oscar was unique. I remember the day that I found out that I wasn't gentle, that I was anything but gentle. And I came in, by the way, I kind of have three salvation stories. I have the coming to Jesus because I know I should, 13-year-old kid. And then I have the 18-year-old going to rededicate my life. Jesus is my savior. And then I have the 2012 version of Dusty where Jesus became my Lord. And I understood what God's heart was for me and for you. And I would actually slow down to care enough for you. And so the day I realized that I wasn't gentle, I walked in and, and I, I, I'm very fast paced. I'm a doer. I was addicted to doing. If I had an addiction, it was that. It was doing and doing a lot and, and then a lot more. And I loved it. And accomplishment, 10 tended to be the thing for me. And so when I walked in the house as, as fast paced as I would go, I would fling my bag over by the laundry because it needed to be ready for tomorrow. And, and I flung my keys. And as I did that, all that's very loud, by the way, Oscar's standing over in the corner and I, and I catch him out of the corner of my eye and he is scared to death. And he's just very still like, oh no. And, and in that moment, that fast, I realized, wow, I've become my dad. I've become my dad. This kid's scared to death of me. He's 18, he just started walking. He's 18 months old. And so that will pose a lot of questions in your life if you really care. And I was a Christian, so I probably should. And so I did. And the next day I changed my approach. And these are the first three points that you have on your paper, but don't take my word. I want you to take the Bible for it. But if you want to take notes on these, you can. The next day I chose to leave work outside. And when I walked in the house, when I walked in the house, I chose to be loving. So I changed my tone. So I changed my tone and I immediately went to engagement as opposed to doing stuff, getting stuff ready for tomorrow. The next thing I did is I slowed down. I fixed my pace. I lingered. And I chose linger because it's an L word and you're, you're likely to remember if they all start with L. Okay, And that's what pastors do. We're good at that. L. I lingered. I slowed down. I slowed down. And I was present because your presence is everything in, in everybody's life. It's not just your kids. It's every relationship you have. And so I slowed down. And then I led. I led with my words and my actions. I was very, very intentional. And that's what it takes to be gentle. And what that did for me in my life is it led me to actually start seeking some help. And so I started seeing a counselor. I got a mentor. I started a pastor's council at our church. And I started talking through what it meant to be completely healthy. Because in, in, I think when you become a dad, it's real easy to go, oh, what have I got myself into, right? Because you can go through life in a marriage and just have a partner. But man, when you put somebody underneath your house and you become the spiritual leader of your house, everything changes. And so I felt that pressure and having to provide and having Heather home. And there was a lot on me. None of that is an excuse to be hard harsh, ugly, mean, anything but gentle, or, any, or anything to, to bear anything but the fruit of God, if God's spiritually in me. So here's the unique thing. 
through that season, I learned that my relationship with God was a lot like my relationship with my earthly dad. And that if I didn't watch out, he was going to get me. Very Old Testament. You guys have all, you know, some of us kind of do this anyways, where we say the Old Testament God, if you don't, God will strike you down. And that's not God. That's not the God that puts you on the face of the earth, that, that gave you life, that wants abundance, that wants more for you than you want for yourself. But that's how I did it. That's how I kind of connected it. And so if I didn't hear from God, then I began to worry. And I would put this guilt trip on myself. And I would say, oh, I should have done this, or I could have done that, or, or what if. And I, you play all those games inside your mind, right? And I had to get to the point where I realized I had really rough roots. I just had rough roots. I had rough roots. And I'd love to tell you that one scripture changed my life, and, and it was over. But it wasn't. It was a process. It was a long process. And it's something I still work on today. It's not like it's over. I still, I still have to battle this thought right here. And the reality and why I can is God in me is greater than anything on the face of this earth. But two, it's God's word. In that season, I sat down and I would read 183 scriptures a day. That's not a trophy for me. I mean, I had to redefine what God put inside of me, who God said I was, because my whole life, I had listened to other people, pastors, leaders, my dad, everybody included, to tell me one thing, and I had to find out what God said about me, who God said I was, what God called me to, and who he called me to be. And as I did that, I started to grow up a little bit because I had the word of God in my life, right? And I, and I also realized that to be gentle with others, you have to be gentle with yourself. You have to stop playing that mind game in your mind and, and asking all the questions and, and treating yourself bad. And the reality is in this, in that season, there was one scripture that stuck out to me specifically that meant something to me in a way that I never had. And as a pastor, I'd read this scripture 3,000 times. And man, I could speak it over you and tell you all day long, but until I received it as God speaking to me, I didn't understand what gentleness meant. And it's Jesus' baptism. You can find it in Luke chapter three if you want. And Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he says, hey, you're gonna baptize me? And John says, no, no. And he says, well, you have to. And so, so he does. And the short of it is this. John baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus comes out of the water, says the clouds part and the voice of God comes down and the spirit ascends on Jesus like a dove. And it says that God says, this is my son who I love and with who I am well pleased. And when I saw that and heard it and received it for the first time, as in this is my son, Dusty, who I love, and who I'm well pleased. This is my son, Oscar. This is my son, Jason. This is my son. This is my daughter, Helen. This is my daughter, Leslie, who I love and who I'm well pleased. I understood the gentleness of God in a way that I never had. And the truth of gentleness is this. When you're tired or burnt out or running at a rate that you weren't created to run anyways, or you're stressed or you're done, it's hard to bear anything but fruit in general, period. You're not going, going to embody gentleness in that. And the truth I found, the more that I grow and the more that I seek God, the more that I sought God was, gentleness takes maturity. It takes maturity. We have to grow up a little bit. It takes being spiritually mature. And it's not that I don't feel like losing it, y'all, because I do. I'm gonna give you a case in point really fresh about six hours ago. Okay. God had kind of led me to 
reorder this and tell you my story because I normally cut myself out of these types of things, but I think it's super important that you know that I have not always been gentle. And I, and I struggle with gentleness. I struggle with it, again, at, at 12.58 this morning, to be exact. And so at 12.08, I got done kind of locking everything in. It had been locked in for a while. These slides have been made for a while. And as I did, I, I text Heather, hey, I'm on my way up. We're staying in a hotel room that you guys have so graciously put us in. Thank you so much. And she didn't text back, which meant she was asleep. That's okay. And so I go up to the room. Now, we also drink water like camels. And so I had to pick up four liters of water downstairs, which was fairly cheap, okay? And, and we're also out of pillows because I sewed my pillows into the lives of other people. And so I picked up a few pillows on my way up to the room. And so I got these four leaders. They're all individuals under my arm. I got these pillows. I got my room key, and, I'm go- and I got my backpack on. And I'm going to lean in to key fob, and I get the red light. And I'm like... That's not right. And so I'm going to shorten this up for you. I did that four times. And that four times, I went downstairs. I told the guy, hey, the key's not working. And Heather's still asleep, okay? Which is, she should be. It's 1250. So from 1208 to 1258, me and the front desk guy became really good friends. And I set those water bottles down, and I picked them up about 46 times. And I carried the pills with me everywhere I went because my pillows don't go on the floor, okay? And... The final time I went up, I realized the deadbolt's locked. And so if you know anything about hotel room, if the deadbolt's locked, the key's not going to work. And so my last trip up the stairs, Heather comes out of her coma. (laughs) And she thumbs up my, I'm on my way, which she probably thinks has been 30 seconds, but it's really been an hour. And so um, I'm like, cool, I'm locked out. Could you open the door? And she says, one second. I'm feeding rice. I'm like, cool. I'm at the door. So I get ready. And I pick the bottles up again. I did this every time, guys. Nothing. And so I wait, and I'm waiting. And she comes to the door, and she opens it. And then I, op- I let her get far enough away to where the light's not going to wake up our son, who she is feeding at the time. And I walk in, and it's like a bomb has went off in our room because we have five kids, so there's stuff everywhere. So I'm sneaking through. I'm trying to wake anybody up. I set the water down. And I go over and say, hey, would you like a pillow? And she said no, which I was amazed. Did she say no because she didn't want a pillow or she thought I'm about to lose my mind? <laughs> we'll never know because I didn't ask, okay? She said no, we're good. Now, I never asked, who locked the deadbolt? I never asked that. What did I do? I went in, put the water down, put my pillows down, and laid in bed. And about the time I was about to pass out, some sweet thunder that we've missed so greatly decided to strike. It was amazing. I'm like, was that thunder? And then, and then we had a visitor who's in class right now come to our bed. So last night was amazing. I could have lost it about 73 times in that. But there's this fruit that Pastor Dan's going to talk about next week called self-control. And if we're mature Christians, we know, that we know how to keep it together. And we can keep it together, not because we could, but because God never loses it on us. God never loses it on us. And so gentleness takes maturity. And so then, spiritual maturity takes relationship with God. If you remember, there is no law for it, but the entire law hinges on it. It's your relationship. There must be depth there. That's what abiding is. That's why you are a special group of people. Now, a lot of people view God as a rough God or a harsh God. 
And this mindset can be taken for several, you know, there's violence, there were harsh words, there was anger, there was all the things that, that Colossians 3 tells us to avoid in life. There was that growing up. And so that kind of changes our trust in God or limits how we engage with him. And many retreat from God for that very reason. They assume, how can the creator, the all-powerful, the almighty creator of the universe also be gentle? And we decide that that can't happen, so he can't be. And we choose to keep him in the powerful, almighty category and not the gentle category. But the Bible says that he is both, that he is both. And so here's what you need to know. Jesus displayed the meaning of true gentleness when the prophet Isaiah said this, he was oppressed and afflicted and led like a lamb to the slaughter and did not say a word. God always speaks, always speaks in a gentle way. His manner is never harsh. He's never abrasive. Even his rebukes, he, resta- he restrains himself and God always speaks with a gentle tone. And so then for us as believers, possessing the authority and restraint of the Holy Spirit leads to gentleness leads to gentleness. So let's take a look. Let's prove out God's gentleness in scripture. And we're pressed for time. So I'm going to go just a little bit quicker for you, but this is super, super important. By the way, God so loved the world that he gave you his son. That's how loving, that's how gentle God is. But here's what you'll see in 1 Kings 19, 12. After the earthquake came a fire, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God's not a yeller. God is easy, God is slow, God is, God is sweet, God is gentle, God loves. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, we read the scripture, we know this very well, this is monumental in my life. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle, and I am humble, and you will find rest for your souls. God will wait for you. God lingers for you. In Isaiah 40, 11, it says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. God will gently lead you. God always gently leads you. And so here is your charge to embody gentleness. It's found in 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26. And here's what it says. And the Lord's servant is what we prayed this morning. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind, which is also translated to gentle, but, but must also be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's amazing. There's a lot there. I want to I break that down by hitting the message translation of that scripture. Here's what it says. Run away from childish, childish indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And join those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. Maturity, relationship. Refuse to get involved in inane, which means foolish, unintelligent, silly, or idiotic discussions, because they always end up in fights. God's servant must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. And here's how it finishes up. You never know how or when God might sober that person up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. Gentle. Be gentle. So how do we embody gentleness? I'm going to go back to your three points. 
The first way you're going to do that is love. Love is gentle. The root of all fruit you find in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, have fervent, unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly, you guys know what that means, unselfishly seeks the best for others. Love is gentle. So then, love the Lord your God with everything you have. Love others as you love yourself. And be what you wish you had. Be what you wish you had. The second thing is this. Linger. It's Isaiah 30, 18. Linger. Slow down. The Bible says love is patient. Love is patient. How many times does the Bible say wait on the Lord? Wait on the Lord. Don't react out of selfishness. Wait on the Lord. Seek what God would say. Therefore, the Lord waits expectantly and longs to be gracious to you. He longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is the God of justice. And it says, blessed, happy, fortunate are all those who long for him, since he will never, ever fail them. God's love lingers. So then slow down. Be intentional with who you have and what you have. Be intentional. The day that I slowed down to see Oscar, he ran and tackled my legs. Why? Because I wasn't being ungentle. I wasn't being fast-paced. I slowed down. Slow down. God's waiting for you so you can wait for others. Amen? The last thing is this. Lead by example, not by feeling. When we're not being gentle, we're really just reacting out of feeling. And most of the time, it's because we're a little perturbed, right? God called you into existence, and he called you. He said you're three parts whole, that you are a spirit, soul, and a body. That you would be emotionally, mentally, uh, physically healthy and spiritually healthy, right? And so here's what you need to know. Gentleness, this is probably the biggest point because to lead this is a big deal. That means you have to have it in you. Gentleness cannot be measured and gentleness cannot be fully understood. You're never going to understand it. But gentleness can be experienced. It can be expressed. And that's what, God's, that's what God asks of us to lead. That's the gentleness God asks us to lead. Gentleness is unselfish. It's unselfish. So then, when we lead with gentleness, it's not about position or skill. It has nothing to do with that. It's an attitude. It's a fruit that comes through us because of God. So then we seek ways that we can add value to people by being gentle. Jesus said, whoever would be the first among you must be servant of all. He said, whoever rules should be the one who serves. Right? And so then Jesus modeled the way that we should go about our lives with gentleness by not saying a word when he went. John 15, 13 says, No one has greater love nor stronger commitment than to lay down his own life for his friend. Gentleness, God's gentleness is so gentle that he laid down his life without saying a word. He just pressed on. And so I'll close with this. It's, it's instruction that we receive from Paul. And this is huge. So you have kind of your walking papers, but here's the... Here's the proof. We're going to go back to Scripture. Paul says, bearing with one another. Everybody say, bearing. bearing. Bearing with one another and forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above these, put on love, which binds us together. So many times we think that bearing means to put up with, to just endure. It's, it's almost a Christian slogan, right? Just bear with me for a minute, will you? Could you just bear with me? And we think, ah. Yes, yes I will, because I love you and you're a brother. And bearing means the level in which something bad can be tolerated. To carry the weight of, or to support, or to endure. If that, if that resonates with you, will you say yes? 
Yes. So many times we think that's what bearing means, but bearing also means to take responsibility. To take responsibility as believers. To bear with one another. To, to lock arms together. To take responsibility. Wow, it sounds like accountability, right? Bearing also means to give birth. Wow. It means the way that one conducts themselves. For I bear up my body the marks of Christ. The way that he, he holds the bearing of a believer. Bearing fruit means to yield positive results. It means to succeed. So when it comes to spiritual fruit, when we bear with one another, it's not addition or subtraction where somebody excels and somebody kind of gets the brunt of all of it. Somebody endures while the other person, you know, excels. It's multiplication. When we bear with one another, it's multiplication. Bearing doesn't mean to tolerate. It means bringing results. It's bringing results. And so bearing with one another in the body is synergistic. It brings energy. It brings life. For, forgiving one another brings new life, not old life. We said, don't look back. We sang the song, don't look back. Forgiving one another bears new life. It bears greater responsibility and juicier fruit. I love juicy fruit. So here's the action. For me to embody gentleness, I had to do a couple things. I had to forgive my dad. It was hard. It wasn't the hardest thing, though. I had to forgive my dad. And for some of you, that might be your action step today. Forgive as you were forgiven. I had to forgive my dad. I had to ask Heather to forgive me for being a knucklehead, for being a bonehead. That was super tough. But the hardest thing I had to do was sit in a, sit in a room across from another grown man and forgive myself and ask God to forgive me for not embodying, for not being about his business, for not bearing the fruit of gentleness, for not leading with a kind spirit, for not serving my wife, for not serving my house. That was hard. And that's our action step today. You might have to do that today. You might have to get to a place where you say, you know what, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the way I've been, for the way I've treated, for the way I've acted, for who I've been. That's not who you called me to be. And help me to find you. And he will do it. He will do it 100%. And then bear with one another because when we bear with one another, we bear good fruit. We bring good fruit. It's multiplication. Here's why you're going to forgive because God forgave you. Everybody say, I am forgiven. Me and Heather had this great conversation the other day. In the Bible, you see so many times when people are healed, they're told four words. Your sins are forgiven. And for those who believe, it changes their life forever. Your sins are forgiven. And the moment, it takes some guys in the Bible twice. They have to hear it twice and from the man to, to say it. But when you embody that, when you believe that, when that becomes part of your being and you connect to the root of why God put you on the face of the earth and you realize my sins are forgiven, that will change your life. And your sins are forgiven is a daily, it's a weekly, it's a monthly, it's an eternal promise. It's not a one-time thing. It's not, it's not a one-time decision, right? And it encompasses the first sin you ever committed and the last for everything that you've already done and for everything you, that you are yet to do. And it's not a free pass. It's not a free pass. It's a privilege. That's the gentleness of God. Your sins are forgiven and they're forgiven today. And so then be gentle. I'm gonna recap with you, be gentle. Show kind, tender character. What is that kind, forgiving, considerate, humble, loving, lamb-like, dove, 
like gentleness. Remember, God loves you. He always waits for you. He always lingers and he gently leads you. Embody that yourself by loving like he loves. It's called grace. Give it because you were given it. Linger like he lingers. Be slow. Wait for God. Seek God in those decisions where you want to lose your mind. And lead like he lives. Forgive. Lead like he leads. Forgive. Here's the one thing that I hope you grasp. And I'm done. Pastor Dan, you can come up. I hope you grasp through embodying the fruit of gentleness is this. It's not about your gentleness. It's not about you. It's about God and God's gentleness through you. And when you don't feel like it and you're unfaithful with God's spirit, he will pick up where you drop the ball. And that's not to say or, or to make you unhuman because you are. It doesn't make up or remove you, your humanity. What it does when we seek God and seek to act in gentleness is it elevates God's love. It elevates God's power. It elevates God's spirit through us. That's what happens when we're gentle. God is gentle with you so he can be gentle through you. Amen. Father, we love you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to share, Lord, for what you've done this morning, Lord, in the hearts of your people. But I'm just grateful to be a part. Thank you, Lord, for taking every piece of this, Lord, and putting it together where people can use it in a tangible way. I ask you, Lord, to take what we've heard today, multiply it in our hearts, help us to embody it, to walk out of this place better and different because we gathered in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.